The Meters Game Podcast presents a special interview. All right, well, uh, thanks, Daryl, for coming on the Meters Game Podcast this afternoon. We're here with Jeremy and myself, Samson. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, first of all. Thanks very much for having us. Look, it's a pleasure, and you know, obviously the things you and your little crew are doing has been uh, great. And uh, look, obviously, as former players, you know, players of nowadays, we uh, we appreciate that stuff and appreciate um, you know what we've done for footy and what people are doing off the field for footy as well. Yeah, we're extremely happy to have you on board. So I think the first kind of bit we wanted to chat about was, I guess. Your transition from um, Alice Springs, essentially, to a professional footy environment. So if you want to just kind of take us what it was like, because I think from what I was reading is about that Robert Walls came down and um, and and asked you to, to come join his team up in Brisbane, if that's right. Yeah, well, obviously I got drafted um, in 1990 through uh, the, you know, uh, the National Carnival, which was the Teal Cup Carnival back then. It was under 17. So I was fortunate enough to get in the Australian side and from there I got drafted as a pre-selection choice before the draft in 1990. So in regards to that, I didn't come in 1991. Um, obviously, life back home yeah. was more important to me, the lifestyle, the laid-back lifestyle, the hunting, all that sort of stuff, you know, cultural beliefs, um, small town, you know, I was comfortable where I was, I was comfortable in school all those sort of surroundings, so I just didn't want to go to the big city, and I, I think uh, for someone like myself who was so distant from there, and look, going back to go forward, I was actually the first bloke to come from Alice Springs straight to the AFL, like, obviously there's a few yeah. other blokes went McAdams and other blokes like that went via the SANFL, and there was a few that went via um, the Waffle. So, yeah. you know, it was, it was daunting at the time, um, you know, Robert Walters was pretty keen on getting me there, so he made a trip to Alice Springs, and lo, lo and behold, I dodged every bullet there, and he didn't get to see me. <laughs> so I, I had Uncle Donati's chasing me everywhere, and I was hiding under beds in cupboards, mate. In, in, um, just, we were just talking about washing. Um, yeah. I was hiding the, bunch, the best hiding spot I ever had was a bunch of washing clothes that were sitting <laughs> in the corner, and I was hiding under them, mate, when my auntie came in, and she was uh, one of... One of uh, and it was pretty staunch, pretty hard, and pretty straight down the line. And she was looking for me everywhere. And so, look, it was obviously I knew it was going to be a hard transition. But look, once I got on that plane and got there, I loved every minute of it. Look, it was hard. Yeah. You know, preseason is hard. It's not meant to be easy. You know, hey, you got to miss your family and all those sorts of things. But um, once I got on that plane, I was fine. And it look, took me about five years. But you know. I keep telling everybody, look, once I was home, I was home, and I loved every minute of it. So yeah. I didn't want to go back to the AFL. You know? But once I got on that plane and I was in Brisbane, I was happy to be here then. You know? Yes, you have a few tough times now, and then when you have a bad loss or uh, someone dies in the family or there's a wedding on or someone's 21st, you know, you miss those sorts of things. But yeah. yes, it was a very hard transition from the start. And look, Robert Walls, you know, uh, I thank him every day most probably to that he pursued me, he wanted me, and he and he thought I belonged there. And look, it took me maybe, you know, it still took me four or five years to me to actually feel like that I belonged in the league. And once, once that sort of took care of itself, and you know, obviously maturity and all that, um, yeah, fantastic opportunity arose. That you know, I, I love and behold, hung around for fifteen years. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So when you're talking about that that difficult transition, um, was there a moment in your footy, I guess, maybe on-field or off-field where you did feel comfortable? Was that, Can you kind of remember a certain moment where you feel like, yeah, I belong here, this is where I want to be? Oh, maybe not a moment, but most probably... Um the year 1995, because obviously we were known as the Bad News Bears, you know, we really struggled. And look, Robert Walsh took the initiative initiative of going with the young group, so he just started drafting young 16, 17-year-olds. You know, and that's when your bosses, Lappins, you know, Scott's, Lepiches, you know, yeah. Clark, all, all of us sort of came through that sort of, under that tenure of drafting young. Instead of, they had the adage of recyclable old fellas from our different other teams. So once that happened, look, I think 95 was a turning point and, you know, we came in, we played our first finals as a club and I think we all grew another leg that year and I think, you know, for the most part, folks who had played in finals, you know, there wasn't too many. Obviously, but some came from other clubs and some came from the SANFL and Waffle as well. They played in finals, you know, we yeah. know what it was like and cherished the moment. So I think most of us thought, especially us young blokes, the ones I sort of mentioned, I, I think we think, all right, we belong now, and you know what, well, we can we can make something of this. And then we, you know, played finals again, finals again. Yeah. You know, had a had a bottom of the year run out in 1988, and then played finals ever since, you know, or yeah. the next seven years, sort of thing. So I think it was 95 was a definitive year, and through a purple patch there of seven, eight games in a row where we won. Yeah. I, and I was playing some decent footy. I was playing on some champions of the game. You name all the centre afterwards, then I was playing on them, and you know, and I was holding my own against Chris Grant, young James Hurd, yeah. you know, Anthony Curtis, Stuart Lowe, you know. So you had some big, you know, Wayne Carey, you know. So mm-hmm. I played on some big names, some good players, and um, I held my own, and we held our own as a team. And you know, like I said, we got to the finals, and I think that changed the whole aspect of the whole club as one. Yeah. That's definitely what it sounds like historically because you just had that run of gains for success. So when so talking about the, the club merger um, time and with the influx of those new talented young players coming in, did you feel that, like, do you want to take us, I guess, some stories of how you guys came together to become that tight-knit group that you were able to push for finals for so many years going forward? Oh, look, uh, I, I thought once the blokes we got, I thought we were going to be, you know, this sort of real unstoppable, unbeatable side. Yeah. But um, I suppose the fruition came through the years I spoke about and the blokes I spoke about as younger we came through. And, you know, look, Bossy won a, I think when it was East Brown, like 96. So, you know, yeah. that, that, was, that was, a, you know, sort of a toughish year again because we just got a final, but we got bundled out again. And he had a brilliant year, and we had a half decent year as a club again. So we backed up what '95 gave us. Yeah. And when the merge, I think we were just finding our feet. And yeah. look, we were sitting here going, "Well, I was like, no, we can't merge." And and look, I was thinking it was going to be North Melbourne and Victoria, obviously. And um, obviously, when it, that didn't eventuate, and we did come up as the merger club, and it did sort of happen. I think we were all a bit shocked at Doc first because we just you know, put our stamp on the competition and said, yes, we are here now. We're not, you know, we're not the, um, you know, team that you can, you know, just beat for 15, 20 hours week in, week out. 
percentage booster each week. But I, I think with that influx of players, um, it was a good opportunity to say, all right, let's go another level. But I think it didn't really come about for a, um, for a year or two until about 99. And once 99 came around, um, you know, the ball didn't really stop rolling from then. Yeah. So it was just most probably Essendon in 2000 who had that great year that knocked pretty much everyone off their perch, you know, and that they were just a freak sight sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I thought they were going to roll up, but we knocked them over again. So the merge was fantastic for both parties. Um, look, I think the Fitzroy people didn't really, really like it, and I think they've come to warm about it now, and I think it, it's a real amicable and comfortable place for 90% of Fitzroy and Bears supporters to talk about now and go, yes, it was the right move. So, yeah. and those, those things, it's like a marriage, you know, that they take time. <laughs> they take time. And, and look, it's, it was most like one of the best things for the competition. And, you know, the, the folks at the top of the chain, well done. Obviously, well done. They thought that was the right move. And um, it eventually worked out. Yeah. Yeah, well, it definitely worked out. Obviously, you said winning. Three AFL premierships must have been an amazing experience to play. Well, we actually spoke to Kudafidis and we talked about the importance of culture and what that brings when you just love playing with the people in your team. Who were some of the the funniest and you know most entertaining players to play with? And do you have any particular funny pranks that you remember from back in your time at the Lions? Oh, look, there were some pranksters, and there was mainly most uh, probably with a a lot of alcohol-induced and fueled uh, pranks and <laughs> funny things like that. But um, there was a funny one. Uh, I don't know if it was after 01 or 02. Um, couldn't even be in 03. I'm not too sure. We, um, so we were at a pub for the Aussie Nash just up the road on that bad Monday. And, you know, we were all there and obviously half half cut and yep. enjoying our time. You know, after another premiership, you know, obviously the beers go down a bit sweeter and a bit faster and all that sort of stuff. Frank yeah. <laughs> uh, McRae decides to jump on this uh, back of this, um, what do you call the bin trucks? A garbage truck, you know? Yeah. So he yeah. jumped on the back of this garbage truck and the bloke didn't even know he was there and he ended up uh, halfway across the other side of the town, mate. So, <laughs> he, uh, and I reckon, and he said after five minutes he thought it was great and they didn't catch one light. So he had to stay on this thing and the next minute he said he was clinging for his life. So it ended up, ended up being a prank which... Uh, didn't get off for him, and look, he's a real little prankster, and I, I think he uh, thought through his little pranks after that. Uh, so yeah, it was um, it was pretty life threatening in the end. <laughs> that sounds yeah. right. I was reading about Gilbert McAdam. So you used to be teammates with Gil uh, when you were before the, the before the merger, and I, I read an interview at the time where you said Gilbert McAdam had a very low alcohol tolerance, and he'd be. Uh, if you were sitting next to him in a plane, you wanted to avoid him because he'd have one stop and he'd be uh, in all sorts. Yeah, that was true. Um, look, he, he could most probably take a few, but he was just funny in that way. And <laughs> it'd get a little bit loud and boisterous. And look, and he, he's a pretty humble footballer. And you know, when yeah. you have a few in there, you know, he, you know, he, Gary Medals days come out then and he is talking about how good he is and why St Kilda let him go and they shouldn't have let him go and I'm better than Harvey and Burke. And, <laughs> you know, it was funny. So, hey, mate, Alcock will do wonderful things to you, you know. And <laughs> even to this day, you know, people come up to me and go, 
you won three premierships, eh? I said, no, no, that wasn't me, mate. I was the one who won three banners. I go, oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, Al Goff will do wonderful things for for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly right. So those three premierships would be, you know, absolutely outstanding as far as your take-home awards for for your career. But there are a couple of awards that I want to kind of understand how you see them for yourself for their value being the fullback of the Indigenous Team of the Century and the captain of the Indigenous All-Stars in 05. How, how do you feel those accolades stand up for yourself? Oh, look, it's wonderful, you know, representing this club. And I got to a stage at the Lions where I was vice-captain for five years there. So, you know, not, not many people knew that. You know, there was uh, me and Lappin, we were vice-captains for a long time there. And yeah. Chris Scott, I think they got Chris Scott on board a couple of years as well. And he dropped off and Leopards jumped on and... Those sorts of things. So, you know, to get uh, captaincy at a senior level is a wonderful thing. And then the opportunity arose uh, with the All Stars and captain that, and you know, an Indigenous side where you represent people. Yeah. And obviously, you know, my family and the tribe back home was an opportunity to you know, uh, grab with both hands. And look, it was the most unfortunate time since I actually broke uh, my thumb. Two weeks before, so I couldn't play it, and so they let me actually still captain the side, but um, didn't um, actually participate in the field, which was very unfortunate. And then, obviously, you know, to be among, you know, um, obviously, as an Indigenous players, we got, you know, there's a lot of X factor written, you know, hovering over our heads and that sort of stuff. And, mm. you know, obviously, it was, um, I'm sort of glad at the end of the day because there's, you know, you got your. You know, Winston Abrahams and Jeff Farmers and these types, you know, who played back in the day, who I think were magnificent players and, you know, didn't get a look-in sort of thing. And yeah. I, was, I was glad I actually, you know, sort of played in the ruck a little bit and, you know, played the last seven, eight years of my career down back and forged a good um, career there sort of thing. So in saying that, you know, I've got, you know, there wasn't too many of us Indigenous boys bar, you know, maybe Christian Johnson, who obviously went down back as well, like I did. Yeah. But, you know, like we're a friend. I think we're a friend of play, you know, 90% of his life down there. He played a little bit half-forward with his early Yeah, days. he was mainly running back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but mainly running back, Steve. So, but now you've got the Fennell and the Palmerhouse and all these boys, you know, there's, there's yeah, a lot now, so there's an abundance of them. Yeah. And we're not yeah. just pigeonholed or pocketed to that forward pocket, half-forward blank or rough rover type. Yeah. So, look, I was yeah. very fortunate, um, yeah, Lee Matthews, and even Robert Walls, he pinched me there from the early days. I'd play centre, back, rough. You name it, played on ball, forward with him. I played about just every position with Wolsey. Yeah. And Lee thought, nah, I think you'd be a good rebounding halfback flank, you know, halfback back box. Be that third third player who could take a smaller or tall because I was quick enough and I could jump yeah. high enough with the bigger blokes, you know. So that that that, that was that's a huge accolade, mate. You know, there's a lot of different players played our, our great game over the last hundred and fifty years you picked in a you know, team of, you know, twenty six, twenty seven players in it is a wonderful uh, achievement and look I'll hold that very high you know um, obviously you know your kids are very high in your life and that first premiership nothing can ever no one that can ever take that away from me and, and obviously that team of the century that'll slip right in behind that and then I've got a few more premierships you know at, at the highest level and a few other grades and all that they slip in behind there as well <laughs> yeah, yeah and I think a lot of people would be very jealous of your unbelievable accolades and you're talking about being in the indigenous team of the century being named at Are you in touch with 
really the current superstars in the league and what level of mentoring do you provide to some of the um, upcoming talents in the Indigenous communities across Australia? No, look, I don't know too many of them. Look, I obviously watch and keep an eye on the ones that you like, you know, and sort of keep an eye on them. Obviously, you know, I've seen Jared Hardbear up here a lot, you know, uh, Christensen a little bit. Uh, yeah. Up there. So, you know, those sort of, you see those sort of players, those, you know, but, um, yeah, there's not many, much from the competition that I sort of know. I haven't been involved in any indigenous stuff over the last, most probably 10 years. Yeah. So I've got okay. a way to do a lot of, I'm, I'm sort of heavily involved in basketball, trying to get involved in state programs and all that. Mm-hmm. And I've just come back into Indigenous radio the, uh, this year, so I've missed two or three years of that as well. So cool. I didn't really keep a real good eye on the comp. I, look, I still love watching the game, and I've watched some tape games, you know, the Lions games, or whoever's mm-hmm. you know, on, or Hawthorne when Cyril was playing, you know, so sort of know Cyril a little bit more than most of the others, I suppose. Obviously, being a territory boy, all the territory boys said, are we all sort of pretty close, I suppose, in a general sense, so, you know, the yeah. Kai too. Those sort of types, longies, and them, you know, yeah. um, we all sort of know of each other. And, you know, I keep a red eye, you know, even young Parker, you know, I just don't know how he didn't get in the system earlier. You know, he's an absolute freak in South Australia. Yeah. He's averaged like 24, 25 touches in the back pocket. Yep. You know, he's just, just a jet. So, um, look, it, it, it's wonderful. And I think that they're doing wonderful things. And look, I spoke to Eddie a couple of times. I think he's, he's just a wonderful talent, man. Look, um, I hate to see if they do the Indigenous team in the century now. I think they'll be flipped over on a 10, I reckon, because, <laughs> you know, him and Buddy and a few going around, you know. Yeah, uh, that's true. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And, you know, Cyril, you know, how can you leave Cyril out? It's absolutely mm. tenacious. So, yeah, it's difficult. Look, I'm very humble they've done that very early. But, yeah, I think they play a real important role now within the community. You know, and look, they're all over the ground now, um, obviously seen and those sort of blokes the young blokes that come through are really really good so um, yeah. look, um, just hope you know, the AFL keep keep pushing in the right direction and giving indigenous and non you know, non-indigenous especially non-indigenous and non-indigenous boys you know from country areas a real crack yeah. there's some country buffaloes out there who deserve to be there I just don't get the opportunity no, that's exactly mm. right and just a, just a quick one also like a lot of fans like a lot of people um, you used to remember you if you're really obviously wearing a lot you're very iconic for wearing a long sleeve but also the way you used to hold the football like in a bit of a strange way um, did any coaches throughout your career twice try to like you know change your football kicking technique to become a bit more conventional I was sort of happy with that like really unique um, technique that you sort of brought to the game all that said I suppose you know I, I coach and teach kids young kids now and you know, some of them are you know, 80, 90, 20, 21, 22, and you take a bit of individual coaching, and that, that's a part of their trait. That's the way that that's a habit that, you know, a, a, bit, a habitual habit that they've had since, you know, they were young and the way they kick, they hold it and things like that. So you just yeah. got to nurture that, nurture that, and make that the best they can be, you know, with that kicking style. And um, look, I, I, um, I suppose most of my coaches just. <laughs> I had a high efficiency rate anyway, you know, I would only touch the ball 30, 40, 50 times a game. You know, on a good day, you know, I'd be up around 20 sort of thing in the back half. But, yeah. you know, 15 to 14 of those, 14 of those hit a target, you know, and we're away and we're out of there. So I think that's one thing missing in our game these days, like the amount of skills in the game this, this day and age that sort of dropped away real poorly. And obviously the goal kick is a real big one that hasn't changed. 
Yeah, that's true. Years. But no, no one really um, you know, told me to do anything different, you know, which is fantastic yeah. to hear that from coaches because we're all different. We're all individual. And I think they try and put us into one basket as well because they drafted us for what we could do when they seen a 16, 17, 18-year-old, maybe 90-year-old kid now. And they that's watch true. you for four or five years and they go, we want the kid for that. Then they hit you here and they try and start changing you a little bit and say, mm. no, you got to do this, 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 that, this. But, but you know, the old trait of um, I was a ball up after the mark, especially when it was a bit of a controversial one. Or yeah, yeah. On it was or fantastic. Go, no, mate, I know, I know what a mark is. Look at all the hard ones I dropped all those years, you know, and all this, and they get paid nowadays. I'd be, I'd be a superstar now, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. So I think we might just finish off on one one interesting area. You're talking about your greatest accolades and, and you mentioned your children as well. Young uh, young William's a pretty handy basketballer. Um, how are you feeling pre-draft? What's like, I guess, the family sort of feeling towards how he's going to go? Oh, look, we just got our fingers crossed at the moment. Look, um, I think he, uh, he has a better better opportunity last year. I thought he should have yeah. played in the draft here and last year and people said he, you know, a few of the comments we got back is that there was two or three teams wanted to take him late keep him in the G League so I think it was a magic Denver Nuggets and some, I forget the other one, might be Miami Heat. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was encouraging but this year, yeah, it's... Um, should give it a real uh, crack. Yeah, look, he's going to have a crack at it but uh, for me, it looks like a bit more of a long shot than last year. So, yeah, okay. But I've got my fingers crossed um, got some workouts. He's actually going to the Hornets tomorrow. He's That's exciting. He's working the Hornets tomorrow, the next two days, Charlotte Hornets, so hopefully he gives that a real shake. So. Yeah. And uh, see where it goes from there. So they've only, this year, they've only pigeonholed five or six teams. He's got a workout for where last year, you know, he went to 11 or 12 and had a crack at all. And I think by the end of the last two or three, you know, he's pretty burnt out. Yeah. Be... So um, they just pigeonholed a few that are keen on him, which is a fantastic opportunity for him. And look, yeah, um, it was a good thing when he left jump the play. He just said, look, if I don't get there this year, you know, I'm just going to forge my way in Europe or wherever it may be. And, yeah. And you know, have another crack at it and get in there and just goes, look at Joe Ingles, Dad. That's said, exactly well, it, yeah. Look at that, and I said, that's a perfect example. So, you know, and look, he, he forged and made a lot of money over the years and had a great career. So, look, you look at yeah. Anderson's come back to Australia now playing with Melbourne. And yep. Whatever. And look, look at the career he's forged for himself over there, you know. So, look, there, there is a career, you know, um, outside outside of Australia where you can earn some real good dollars and, you know, put your name up there. But, look, like I said, it's a long shot, but, you know, he's got his hat in the ring, so anything can happen on the day. And it's exactly we've got right. our fingers crossed for him. And they're all basketballers, so I think half the, all the kids are sort of rooting for him at the moment and, you know, right. hopefully he get there and look, you know, it's maybe three days before and if I, if I get the call to go over there, it looks like we'll have a guarantee from the team, you know, so if I'm at the draft, you know he's getting drafted and I'm not there, you know, I'm just <laughs> uh, well, we're yeah, all crying well, for him. Very proud of you because I, I recall that when you um, first rocked up to the uh, Brisbane Bears, you were in a, um, a LA Lakers singlet, so at least he's uh, the one who's living the dream for an NBA career. <laughs> yeah, and that's it, and that's most of the half the thing that kept me away from AFL at the start too was um, the basketball because I started really enjoying basketball. That's all I wanted to do. Mm. And uh, like I said, the first thing I did when I got here, I bought a basketball ring. I went to Bunnings, bought a big backboard, put it up at the house there, painted it up, banged, mm-hmm. and I was ready to 
I was playing basketball every day, shooting and hooping and <laughs> loving it. And, it. and it's great to see, you know, um, hope that one of my boys would you know, sort of go to footy and fulfil <laughs> that dream. But uh, they're all in basketball. I've got five, five or one, the whole seven of my kids at the moment putting my dream on um, playing basketball. That's exactly right. All right. Well, Daryl, we really appreciate you having a chat to us this afternoon. Um, best of luck for your undefeated under-12s uh, coaching team that you've got going at the, uh, at the moment, and as well as best of luck to William and to yourself for just for the enjoyable future. No worries. Thanks very much. And uh, any time you want to chat, talk about anything, um, I'll be here, fellas, to have a chat. I yeah, love having a chat. Maybe we might get a regular gig with you every second week or something to get us on there, mate. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks, Daryl. You're a legend. <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. Yeah.